You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Then Solomon sat upon the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. So David now goes home to be with the Lord. David, who was at one time a shepherd, a soldier, an outlaw, a king, a fugitive, a sinner, a saint, and a poet. And all of these experiences in David's life contributed to him becoming the man after God's own heart. David's reign ends with his passing, and Solomon takes over as the established king and ruler of Israel. David had come a long way from being that youngest and smallest son of Jesse and a humble shepherd. He slayed Goliath, became a war hero, and took over as king. But he also sinned, killed an innocent man, went against God, and did many other things to fall short. In today's message, Pastor Mike will share that despite all these ups and downs in David's life, he was a man after God's heart. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 2 as he continues his message, Make Your Stand. In Absalom's coup attempt, David was forced to leave Jerusalem with his family and his mighty men of war. And Shimei, a devotee of the house of Saul, David's predecessor, and this fellow Shimei didn't like the idea of David replacing Saul. In fact, Shimei actually thought that David had some role in Saul's death, but of course that wasn't the case. You remember he was killed when he had gone out to battle against the Philistines. Well, anyway, as David was passing by, fleeing the city of Jerusalem, Shimei came out to meet David and his company and just laid David low. It's recorded first in 2 Samuel chapter 16, if you remember. And as they were passing by, Shimei was cursing David. He was throwing rocks at David and his company as he passed. So, Shimei deserved to die for his actions. Remember, David was God's anointed, and this was forbidden, to curse God's anointed. So, he deserved to die for his actions. But David, upon his return to Jerusalem, swore not to put him to death. And that account is recorded first and second Samuel in chapter 19. But now... He has a change of heart, and he considers that pardon that he made a rash decision. He now realizes that Shimei 
was not sorry for his actions and that he would pose an ongoing threat to his son, Solomon, and his new administration. So in urging Solomon to deal with, his, with him, David is not breaking his promise that he himself would not have Shimei executed. And once again, this is a matter of Solomon showing in a very strong way that treasonous acts, and that's what Shimei was guilty of, a treasonous act against the king, would not be tolerated. These were the messages that needed to be sent out to Israel from Solomon. Well, soon after David gives his son these instructions, he passes on. That is, he goes home to be with the Lord. Let's pick up now in verses 10 through 12. So David rested with his fathers and, buried, and was buried in the city of David in Jerusalem. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat upon the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. So, David now goes home to be with the Lord. David, who was at one time a shepherd, a soldier, an outlaw, a king, a fugitive, a sinner, a saint, and a poet. And all of these experiences in David's life contributed to him becoming the man after God's own heart. You know, I think about all of the things and situations and circumstances that, you know, we have to go through in our life's experience also contribute to our becoming a man or a woman after God's own heart. God has a plan and a purpose in allowing all of the things that come into our lives for a very specific reason and purpose. And what is that reason and purpose? To help us to become the kind of people, the kind of man, the kind of woman that God wants us to become. So anyway, as it relates to David, for 40 years, he reigned over God's people, bringing unprecedented power and success, defeating her enemies. He had established her worship. He ruled with compassion and justice. But now it's all over, and Solomon must follow in his footsteps. And therefore, we have the charges that David lays on his son Solomon before passing on into eternity. Now, before carrying out his father's charges regarding Joab, let's go back to Joab now, and Shimei, these two men, he dealt with his brother Adonijah. And this was Solomon's older brother, Adonijah. And also the priest, Abiathar. So let's pick up now in verses 13 through 25, and we'll cover this expositionally, and I'll make certain comments, so just you know, stay with me. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, Haggith was also one of David's wives. David had multiple wives. And this woman, Hagath, had given birth to his eldest son, Adonijah, came to Bathsheba. And we're all familiar with Bathsheba, right? Bathsheba was also one of David's wives. Remember, David, unfortunately, had committed adultery with this woman who had led to the, the killing of her husband, Uriah. Remember, David sent Uriah to the front line so that he would be killed to cover his tracks and committing adultery with this woman, Bathsheba. But anyway, after he had died, he had taken Bathsheba as one of his, his wives. So anyway, now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. 
So she gave birth to Solomon. So she said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. And the reason why, you know, there's some anticipation on her part because he did, she didn't actually know how Adonijah would have responded because remember, Bathsheba had brought news back to David when he was on his deathbed about Adonijah's plan to become the next king over Israel. And so she didn't know what he would do, whether he was going to you know, attack her or whatever. So that's the reason why she asked this question, do you come peacefully? And he said, peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, okay, say it. Then he said, you know, the kingdom was mine. Now, listen, at this point, Adonijah is absolutely delusional because remember, God had already spoken to David concerning his successor, and his successor was to be Solomon and not Adonijah. So Adonijah is actually a little bit of delusional here. And then he goes on and he declares, and all Israel had set their expectations on me. And that wasn't true. It's just a small party that was a part of Adonijah's attempt to take the kingdom. And all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, Solomon, for it was his from the Lord. Notice he makes special mention of that, that it was all a part of God's plan. God had elected Solomon to be the next ruler over Israel. So he testifies to that here in verse 15. But he hasn't given up yet. He still wants to be the next king. So keep that in mind. Now, verse 16, I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. And she said to him, go on and say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abiashag, the Shunammite, as wife. Now, we were already introduced to this woman in chapter 1 in verses 2 through 4. Let's go back and revisit that just for a moment, if you will. So let's turn back to chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4. Let me set this up for you. David has sort of become an invalid. He's already on his deathbed. And with that said, verse 2 of chapter 1, Therefore his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and her care for him, sort of like a nurse, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm. So he had actually lost his ability for warm. So the idea here was that she was going to lie next to David on his bed, and she was going to lend him his heat. There wasn't any sexual thing about this whatsoever. This was a common practice back then. Sort of unusual, no doubt. This wasn't the, when we think of a nurse, this is, of course, wouldn't be one of the responsibilities uh, of a nurse taking care of a patient. But this was just a, a regular practice back then. Verse 3, so they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all of the territory of Israel, and found Abiashag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but notice the king did not know her. In other words, they didn't have any kind of sexual relationship. Well, let's go on now. Let's go back to our text in verse 18 of chapter 2. 
So Bathsheba said to Adonijah, very well, I will speak for you to the king, my son Solomon. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her, his mother, and bowed down to her in respect. It's a, a demonstration of respect. And sat down on his throne. And also, notice, had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. I actually personally think that Solomon is being sarcastic here because he knows what his mother is going to ask of him. So she said, Let Abiashag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abiashag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, he's very angry at this point, may God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. So Adonijah is killed. Now remember, when Adonijah came to Solomon, when he realized that Solomon was going to rule as king, he went to Solomon and he bowed down and he pledged his allegiance to Solomon as the next king. And you, and you would have thought that at that point he would have given up his attempt to rule in his father's, David's, place as the next king. And Solomon was very merciful towards Adonijah. In fact, if you go back to 1 Kings in chapter 1 and verse 52, he was guilty of being put to death for his conspiracy. But rather than being put to death, Solomon dealt with him mercifully. In fact, go back to chapter 1 quickly if you remember, in verse 52, and this is the way that Solomon had dealt with Adonijah. In verse 52 of chapter 1, then Solomon said, if Adonijah proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. Okay, so Adonijah, let's go back now and let me comment on verses 13 through 25 and all that we've just read and all that's recorded there for us. Adonijah requesting for his wife, the young woman, Abiashag, who had ministered to his father David, was essentially laying another claim to the throne. You see, there was a custom back then that the successor of a king would take his concubines of the expired monarch. So this was a request that was extremely ill-considered and ended in Adonijah's execution. Then Solomon goes on and deals with Abiathar, the high priest, who had also supported Adonijah's bid for the throne. 
and he was disposed and placed upon house arrest. So with that said, let's go on now in our text. But now Solomon is about to deal with the priest of Biathar, who, as I mentioned, supported Adonijah. So he was actually going against David's wishes and also Solomon. And Adonijah's bid for the throne. So it's at this point where Solomon disposed uh, Abiathar. He's placed on house arrest. And that record is recorded first in verses 26 and 27. So let's go ahead and read that. And to Abiathar, the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, to your own fields. This is where Abiathar had lived. This is where his home was. To your own fields for you are deserving of death. But again, Solomon shows mercy here, rather than killing him. But I will not put you to death at this time. Why? Because you carried the ark, the ark of the covenant, of the Lord God before my father David. Remember, when David flee from the city of Jerusalem, uh, the high priest went along with him with the ark of the covenant. It was a part of his company. And because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. And then in verse 27, So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Now, Abiathar was actually the last descendant of the high priest Eli, who we were introduced to back in 1 Samuel in chapter 2. And remember, because of the fact that Eli, the high priest, didn't deal with his sons, remember, who had merchandised the things of God. And remember, they took of the offerings that were brought by the members of Israel to be placed within the treasury of Israel, and they used it for their own gain. And they also remember there were certain women who ministered in the tabernacle who were given to the ministry of prayer, but these two sons of Eli had sexual relationships with them right in the very entrance to the tabernacle. And so God pronounced his judgment against Eli and all of his descendants, how that they would be killed. And not one of them would continue to function as the high priests. So this Abiathar was actually the last descendant of Eli. Now all of this had taken place a hundred years before. But God hadn't forgotten about that, you see. And so now Abiathar is about to experience that final judgment. He's being removed as the high priest. And so that's the reference to which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Okay, so now Solomon's actions against Adonijah and Abiathar filled Joab, let's go back to Joab now, remember David's general, filled him with terror. He figured his life was in danger. If he had dealt with these men and their conspiracies against uh, David and Solomon, he figured now his life was in danger because of his support of Adonijah. Okay, let's pick up now in verses 28 through 35. Then news came back to Joab, David's general, for Joab had defected to Adonijah in his attempt to take the throne, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. 
Now, this was an attempt on Joab's part to seek asylum. And back in the Old Testament, this was someone who may have been guilty of some kind of a crime or had gotten involved with some kind of an altercation with another person, and, and in that altercation, someone died. You know, before their case would have been tried, before the judges, they would flee to the tabernacle and they would hold on to the horns of the altar. That's the reference here in this text, and that's exactly what Joab did. He thought that you know, he wouldn't be killed if he had fleed to the tabernacle, that holy place, so he wouldn't be executed. So he's seeking asylum there in the uh, tabernacle. You know what's interesting about this? And this is like so many people today. You know, Joab was a man of war. And we've seen this throughout the books of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings now. You know, he didn't have any inclinations whatsoever concerning the things of God. You wouldn't refer to Joab as being someone who was spiritual. But, you know, when the chips were down, right, when things were out of control, when his back was up against the wall, when he was actually facing him being executed, all of a sudden he turns to God. And how human-like that is with so many people today, right? They, have, they don't have any inclination concerning the thing. They're not concerned about the things of God, but when things go haywire, immediately, what do they do, right? When all else fails them, when all of their resources have been exhausted, when all of the other doors have been shut in their faces, what do they do? They turn to God. And that's exactly what Joab is doing here in this text of Scripture. Well, anyway, verse 29. And King Solomon was told that Joab had fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he was by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go strike him down or kill him. Now, this is interesting. Because until a person was determined to be guilty of a fact, right, he could actually seek asylum there in the tabernacle. But that didn't excuse him if, in fact, he was guilty from being executed. But in Exodus chapter 21, in verse 4, when we have the law recorded there concerning seeking asylum in the, in the tabernacle, it's recorded for us in the book of Exodus in chapter 21. And in Exodus chapter 21 and verse 14, if the person was found guilty, notice it says, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor, in other words, if he was guilty, to kill him by treachery, you shall, before his case had been heard, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So, Joab going into the tabernacle didn't prevent him from Solomon sending someone there to kill him right within the tabernacle of God. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my Every person's life goes through different seasons. There are seasons of war and seasons of rest, and each season has a purpose. When Solomon became king, he said this, you know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare with which his enemy surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. 
But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. Are you in a season of rest? Those seasons are given to us so that we can have time to build. What are you building for the Lord in this season? You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Fenizio. Pastor Mike has been teaching his way through the book of 1 Kings, and we've been learning so much together. I'm glad you've been here for it. I don't know about you, but hearing these great messages makes me hungry for even more. If that's you, boy, are you in luck. We have additional audio available to you through one place, or you can head over to our website and click on the headphones in the resources tab. That website is harvestnyc.org. Once again, harvestnyc.org. Or you can subscribe to our podcast and listen at your leisure. If you'd prefer to watch instead of just listen, we've got messages for you as well. On our website, there is a link to Vimeo. Check it out. And be sure to come back again as Pastor Mike continues this series through the book of 1 Kings, right here on In My Father's House. Not be troubled